Hi everyone, we are back on the Iris Pod sofa. I've found Neris Caulfield asleep on it, having a nana nap. Oh, hello. Um, and we're talking about this is our special series, Neris. This is our 2024 CX Trends, and who better to talk about that than Neris Caulfield? Fantastic. Well, I'm loving the sofa, and I'm very happy to talk about CX Trends in 2024, Tom. Just for those that have been living under a rock and don't know who you are. Who are you? Yeah, what do I'm, you do? I'm a bit like ChatGPT, right? I'm everywhere and nobody exactly knows what I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm Neri Scorfield. I'm a consultant. I support customers um, as they are on their journey to transformation in the contact center, taking with me my sort of 19 years of running contact center ops in that relentless world of contact center outsourcing where you just become an expert because you have no choice. <laughs> You, you lived it in the weeds, right? Yeah. And then that gives you this incredible uh, oversight of everything going on, the trends, what's the tech to look out for, what's the kind of buzzwords that we can ignore. I want to delve into it. Yeah, no, no, it's, it is really true. And I think in so many ways, I started in 98 and so much has changed. Probably tech being one of the things that has changed the most, but you know it's it's a great environment now because there's a real consciousness around employee engagement and experience and just this real industry that's now focused on how can we be better at delivering customer service the very depressing thing is we're getting worse but who knows if that's because expectations are growing and therefore people are saying do you know what this isn't good enough because i've seen what good looks like or are we actually getting worse because of the complexities in the Get, delivery? Getting worse in terms of the, the delivery of a great customer experience. That's interesting. It actually reflects one of the pieces of research that we did after the pandemic, right. the PAN-ED, um, that people became more demanding. Yes. Well, that's it. And people, it was really interesting. I was hearing earlier a really wonderful lady called Sandra Thompson talking about the amygdalada and how, you know, uh, uh, the Pan D put so much stress on people's brains. Their tolerance levels have actually reduced, like, mm. in terms of their brain. And, and of course, we're seeing that a lot out in, you know, with people in retail having to wear cameras now because people are really intolerant and pretty incivil towards retail staff so it's awful when you listen to contact center agents some of the abuse they have to experience so yeah i think there's there's loads of things there's loads of contributing factors but there's some of it that's in our control and some of it which people aren't harnessing effectively or the really great practices that are around so statistically the institute of customer service will tell you and loads of others will tell you it's getting worse Funny, isn't it? So we've got, it's like a, let's put this into some sort of Venn diagram. We've got automation, AI driving automation, bots. I want immediate information. Why is it not giving it to me? But then we're more demanding. Therefore, how could you expect something like that to service all your needs? And then we're also even more horrible to the people that are trying to help us. That seems like a recipe that needs some rationalization. Well, that's it. And, and, and that's so, so true. And of course, the intolerance comes through bad bot deployment, where actually I've had an exacerbating experience on this attempt to service my answers and my containment rate or the containment rate is really low because 
it's just bad bot deployment with those really early intent-based bots. And then by the time they pivot over to an agent who then asks them to repeat, they're really frustrated. So you're almost putting this back, just answer the phone and answer their question. Don't, don't do a bot badly. You know, that, that's making, that's exacerbating the situation. So people have got to be much more considered on the outside in customer experience and not just race to get a bot in there because the CEO is telling them that's what they got to do. Do you see that a lot? The, the kind of deployment of tech. AI, shall we say, just because it's cool, it's sexy, it's the thing, we've got to get AI, but then it's like, actually, what is the value behind what we're deploying here? Yeah, d definitely, and it's unsurprising that that is where it then goes wrong, because it's just not managed effectively. Mm. It really is. C-Suite says we've got to get a bot in. C-Suite says we've got to drive, we've got to do this AI thing because loads of people are doing it and we need to do it, but nobody's taking a step back. How? How is that going to deliver, you know, a better customer experience and a better uh, employee experience? And therefore, what tech do I need to be able to do that? So, 100%, it's, it's a bit of a funny phenomena where people are racing to put tech in, not really considering and therefore measuring and managing the impact of it. What was the little guy that used to pop up in Microsoft Word? Clippy. Oh, yeah, Clippy. It looks Clippy. like you're about to write a letter. Clippy, yeah. I'm going to smash you in the face, mate. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And honestly, I won't, I won't um, cite any actual brands, but there's some really terrible bots out there that just make you want to scream, you know. And I feel bad screaming at a bot and telling it's useless, but I do because I'm hoping, I'm desperately hoping that somebody's doing some sentiment analytics in the background, and there's no ambiguity in the word useless. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very that's a very defined word. Um, I tell you what is a made-up word, I think, and that's premiumization, which I've now finally figured out how to say. But we just had our session on the premiumization of voice, and the voice, the resounding response from everybody was, "Well, yeah, voice is really important." And actually, exactly as you've just said, the further you shunt it down, the more the frustration builds. Therefore, by the time you get to the voice. You've now got a bigger problem to solve than you had at the beginning. Yes, exactly. Who came up with that term, though? That McKinsey. Oh, well, we there we you go. We there we go. Say anything bad about that's that. A, that's a word. hot housing bit of uh, blue sky thinking going on there. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we're in a really weird, and 2024 is going to be this time when people really reflect on their customer journeys and when voice is right and proper to service the right customers, you know, at the right time for the right reasons. And I had an interesting discussion earlier about, well, they're there for the highly complex, the high emergency and, and the sort of highly emotive. But actually, it is true that the, the highly complex is probably better served or certainly better augmented through having um, AI mm. um, and generative AI specifically to help manage and support that process. But voice, you know... People need connection. People need compassion sometimes. I lost my phone a couple of weeks ago and I literally wanted to cry. There's no way I was talking to a bot. I needed that person on the insurance line to feel my pain and help me through it. So So do you think, as we look into 2024, do you think this whole thing shakes out a little bit and we get the actual true value out of 
technology evolution around AI. I will leave the G letter that we've slotted in Ooh, out for yeah, now. Don't leave generally. But do you think we're going to actually just really jab into it a little bit and go, okay, well, actually, this is valuable. This is not valuable because there seems to be a lot of noise about it. Ironic. I use the word noise. Did you like that? <laughs> we remove noise. Loads of noise. Loads of noise. And oh, I'm just nicely nestled into this experience where I can't hear any of this outside <laughs> noise. Let's skirt that product <laughs> pitch. <laughs> Um, yeah, it is going to shake out. It is, it is definitely, there's a lot of noise and therefore that's great, isn't it? Because it makes people go, well, what is it? And how is it going to help my business? Um, and it's quite interesting because I'm, I judge best application of AI for the X's and the night and day difference between last year and this year, because the, the best thing about generative AI is its ability through sort of like a no code approach. Or, 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 you know, you don't have to have supreme programming skills. Yeah. Is that you can build apps super quick. Yeah. And you can see the value that they bring. I'm not a fan now of the term fail fast because it's like, that's super negative. But let's see what impact it has. So let's impact assess fast. Um, and generative AI absolutely is going to facilitate doing that. But I think the most interesting thing that it's doing is supporting the agent experience, you know, and let making them feel less less lost whilst they're managing interactions that are more So that's interesting. So we're now moving. So this is, because I, I think that, I feel like more people are talking this year, at the end of this year, about the agent experience. That, have to, I have to say, <laughs> that has been something, we've been banging a drum and we spoke about it when we were fortunate enough to talk earlier in the year at one of the shows in the US. Were we in Vegas? We were in Orlando. Oh, we were in Orlando, Florida, and it was baking <laughs> hot beyond the realm of possibility at that time of year. And there was and, crocodiles. And there were crocodiles, and I turned up with winter, a winter wardrobe. <laughs> uh, it was a fail. Um, the agent experience feels like it's been something that hasn't been focused on, and now I feel like the conversation is actually ramping up about that. Well, hallelujah to that. And the reality is, most decisions are made as a consequence of some commercial impact and advisors have choice now and they have to secure, they can secure employment with somebody that looks and feels culturally aligned to them and their needs and gives them much more sort of flexibility in their working practices. Yeah. So I am, I am in no doubt that unfortunately the reason behind it is because of commercial, the cost of bringing on agents the cost of losing agents. Everyone was like, oh no, these, these guys are really important actually. And we would do well to keep them because they're super talented yeah. and super important to our brand. And so, yeah, a hallelujah to the agent experience coming front and center because unhappy agents do not deliver positive customer service experiences. Yeah, that, that old saying, happy, happy agent, happy customer. Um, do you think so what about, what are the tools that we're investing in then for agent experience? Like, because that's something, it's all about the customer, CX, CX, CX. What about the AX? Yes. So from an agent experience point of view, it's just much more transparency in understanding their working week and their working day and where their development opportunities are. So, you know, quality tools are getting much better to help them improve, but not in a like really policing, like in a much more coaching way. Mm. So that's happening knowledge management and the recognition that actually 
if we've got good knowledge management solutions aided by like a co-pilot AI service, that's going to deliver a much better experience for the for the agents. Yeah, and you know, it's things like allowing for mindfulness breaks in their workforce planning, scheduling days, and all things like that, just make small differences. And there's, again, I've been judging best culture. There's some incredible contact centers doing incredible cultural things. And they're not just paying lip service to it because it's a policy document they've got. They are living and breathing it. And it's lush. That's great. I remember, I won't mention the name of the company, um, but there was a company that launched their employee wellness hour and they and then someone said is this is not is this, this is not their lunch hour <laughs> and the reply the best the best bit was actually the reply to that question is they said well yeah they could eat their lunch during that hour if they wanted <laughs> we won't mandate it they can do they can use that hour for whatever they want yeah that's exactly that's just spin right yeah and um and, you know and this is an environment where most agents you speak to are on 15 15 and 35 it's like that is not a lot of respite from what is a pretty relentless space. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, th there is, there are some people that pay lip service. There are some people who just don't get it. And, and yeah. you know, that comes from the top. They look at that on a spreadsheet and they go, just get me money off. And that means I need to cut heads. And they don't, they don't go out onto the calling floors. They don't sit with agents because that's all it takes is some of the C-suite to hook up start listening into calls yeah. and go, it's just so important for my business that these guys get this right and we should be doing everything we can to make their job as easy as possible. So amen to that shift happening. It's quite. It's actually been quite an enlightening moment when we see some uh, potential clients and we say, have you actually listened? You've gone out there and listened. And not just listened in that environment, but then acted as if you are a customer listening in it's quite astonishing. And I think, you know, our research th this last year talked about 89% of agents saying that they had an issue with background noise. When we ask a panel of call center managers or C-suite, how many of you think you've got a background noise problem? The majority do not put their hand up. Uh, so do you think one of the trends to look out for is getting closer to the, we talk about getting closer to the customer, but getting closer to the agent? Yeah, 100% understand. There's very few of the C-suite that will sit on the phones and actually go through that training curve. So, you yeah. know, that whole back to the floor thing, that's, yeah. you know, that's a great example of where that really works and the value and the, the enlightenment that that gives that C-suite. And, you know, I know this is not a pitch, but it's quite interesting because that Contact Babel report, um, the decision makers report, that talks about noise and distraction for the agents and how that is affecting the end customer experience and their experience and their ability to serve the needs of the customer. So it's all those things, like you say, the C-suite are of this opinion because they aren't spending investing the time to understand it more. And then the real on-floor reality is, is totally different. But don't tell them that because you'll put me out of a job. <laughs> but of course, they need to delve deeper. They need somebody to help them through this decision-making process, the discovery process. So um, changing it completely, we're talking generally about 2024, homeworking. Is it going to start to ebb away in 2024 or are we going to continue on this path? I saw something really interesting about um, just generally the UK in general. And I think it's sort of 
we're much more, uh, it's only 20% of businesses in the UK that edict working from the office. Whereas really? it, it, it was, yeah, it was a stare and compare with France um, and other European countries, but we're actually, we are much more flexible mm. in that approach. In fact, it was at the um, uh, Bletchley Park Summit. Oh, the AI Summit. Yeah, the AI Summit. Somehow they started talking about that because, of course, hmm. AI plays into that because they've got, you know, people there to put their arms around you and so you have to depend on the AI more so. But anyway, is the, go back to your question. Is it going to continue? Yes. It is because agents will walk with their feet if it doesn't. Hmm. They will look for jobs that allow that flexibility that they're they're after. And there's some, you know, those people with the cultural, really good cultures, when they do come into the office, it's because it's purposeful and it's beneficial to both parties. You know, it's really beneficial. I was, there was a customer who, uh, I was, you know, they brought agent in and when they came in to a practically empty office, they, had, they weren't workforce scheduled to be with their mates for their lunch, their 35 minute lunch or their mindfulness break. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, well, what am I doing here? Yeah. Because now, you know, they're social butterflies by and large. You're not going to be in customer experience if you're a true introvert, I would suggest. And as such, you want to facilitate that, yeah, being in that environment and be it making it purposeful and valuable for both sides. But I, I would like to think it, I love the contact center environment and I really don't like those that are going 100% because I think they lose some real culture. Mm. But I think it's all about that flexibility. I think it's the flexibility. I, I think the culture is, you know, for us, we like people in a couple of days a week. Yeah. Typically Monday and Thursday. Yeah. We that we actually do not open the office unless we have specific client meetings or something on a Friday. Okay. So we've taken it away because it's like, if if we need focused time, use that moment. Let's make sure we get some good crossover. If we're going to be having meetings as a team, let's make those Mondays yeah. and, and Thursdays and then Tuesday and Wednesday. It's optional. I like the vibe of the office. As a startup, I think it's important to build the culture. Yeah. Very important. But at the same point, we wouldn't have half of our talented team. We did not afford them the opportunity to have flexibility in their lives for their family life, for their own, you know, uh, mental headspace in terms of focused work. Yeah. So I think it's the balance. Yeah, and, and I, you know, it, yes, you're in that startup, so it's really important to work together and to really understand and know each other and to get your mission really clear and embedded. But it, it, that stands the test of time, however far you are in terms of your corporate, you know, existence. So, yeah, I, I think there's real merit as long as it's valuable and purposeful and people get, uh, people are like routine, right? So if they know the office isn't clo isn't open on a Friday... Uh, I know that I'm going to be working from home on a Friday. It's when people switch and change their ideas. And, of course, we've seen some of the big banks suddenly completely do a 360 and go, no, everyone's in. Everyone's got to come in now. And pe people, all their employers are, you know, choosing to walk with their feet. Yeah, and it's expensive. I think, you know, that's a key point. If we're thinking about margin, let's think about keeping our employees happy so that they are safe secure motivated yeah not going elsewhere because that's going to be pretty bloody expensive to replace all of these people that walk 
because we're not giving them those choices. Yeah, and that, I really like this term psychological um, security where people feel safe in their environment and, and a lot of feeling safe in your environment is knowing, A, I'm being protected. Did you watch that David Beckham documentary? I've not watched it yet. I, I've seen multiple clips and I feel like I've actually watched the whole thing in its entirety based on those clips, but not yet, but I heard good things about it. It's amazing and I think probably the difference, I, I think the one thing that really struck me is like, how Glenn Hodder was so quick to throw David Beckham under the bus. Yes. Versus Alex Ferguson, who will never speak ill. And it's like, that's cultural, right? He, he as a person, has made that decision that I'm just going to throw my employee under the bus to the baying crowds and let him take the slack. Psychologically, security, David Beckham, it's gone now. And then, then he comes under the arms of somebody that makes him feel a whole lot safer. He's really clear on his role. He's really clear on on the fact that he can make mistakes, but he's not going to get called out on them, and then his career flourishes. Flourishes. He did boot a football... Um, he did kick a football boot in his head by... I think that was a mistake. I think he did that by accident. It happened he's in the human. dressing room, and he kept it in the dressing room. That's exactly. the key thing. You're right. I mean, it's quite a terrible uh, trait to, to, for something to go wrong and then throw someone under the... Under the bus. Oh, it was horrible. You have it was to horrible. win or, or lose together and learn from it. Interesting. Um, no, I channeled my energy into the Wagapa Christie um, oh, that trial was one on. Too. <laughs> oh my God, I'll watch anything like that. <laughs> anything like that. I'm terrible. But anyway, yes. Yeah, it's, it, I love that, that term psychological safety. And I think that I like probably that, yeah. really speaks to that example and how leaders have to drive that. Leaders have to give that assurity. And then there's the bit about the transparency and knowing where you are, what you're doing, and that you're going to be supported in your endeavours because, you know, don't nobody wants to do a bad job. No, I think that's the key thing because I, I think there's probably a fear from leaders that they feel like if their staff are all at home that they're not working. Oh, yeah, there's some, there is definitely some leaders who just don't have an intrinsic trust. But that is probably because they haven't taken the time to really understand and get that empathy of understanding. So they are just looking at productivity stats and maybe a potential delta. It's just a real personality trait, right? To not trust that your employers are gonna work when they're from home, working from home. I'd argue you give them, you give them that psychological security, you embrace them, you show them that they are part of your team. They'll, do, they'll work hard for you. Yeah. Uh, we're at the end of our time. Rapid fire round. Right. What's your um, What's your big prediction of something that will emerge that's been hidden in 2024? Uh, well, interestingly, somebody mentioned Meta today. Now, it's not going to happen in 2024, but I think it came, the sort of notion of customer service through the Metaverse. Oh. And I was like, let's not talk about this. It's not going to happen. But now, because of the advances in 5G and, and bandwidth and everything like that, and because it's becoming much more sophisticated, I think people are going to start talking about that. Oh. So that'll be interesting. I reckon a lot of this time next year, people will be talking about that. That'll be interesting. And then it's just going to be more true understanding of application and impact on um, deploying generative AI. Side point on the metaverse, that's a controversial subject for me. We'll pick up on that one in a year and see where we're headed. Yeah, that'd be good. I put it in the same category as NFTs, by the way. So they've, they've been and gone. Oh, okay. So we'll see. Metaverse, if it, if it happens, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. 
We'll um, meet in the metaverse this time we'll meet next in the year. metaverse next year. <laughs> no, we did we did a podcast with someone in the metaverse. It did not go well. Um, uh, next rapid fire question. Um, piece of pertained value that's going to disappear because it's not valuable. Oh, a piece of pertained value that's going to disappear. Oh, God, that's a really hard question. Oh, my God. Rapid fire question. Really slow answer. Um, What's going to get called out and be found out for adding negligible value? There's a load of stats, right, that are going to get called out for not adding. There's real conversation now about NPS and the value that it adds, and it always sits on the board because they love it. And don't tell Frederick Reinhardt, the inceptor of it. I understand he's come out of retirement because he's very sad about his baby not sort of getting and delivering. Really? But I do I do think that with um, interaction analytics now, so readily available, voice of the customer, let's stop doing stats. Let's stop doing post-interaction um, CSATs. We know that customer's unhappy. We've got the interaction analytics. That's what's going to massively change. I love that. If I get asked on a website that I've only just literally landed on to fill out a survey about my experience on that website one more time, I'm going to hit the roof. Exactly. Um, you can bin off cookies as well. I hate those. Um, or well, you can keep the cookies, but I don't want to do the little approval. Um, left field <laughs> uh, prediction doesn't even have to be about CX. Left field prediction, like the David Cameron emergence to frontline politics, left field prediction for 2024. Oh, wow. Oh, don't get me started on Trump. But, uh, um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, left field prediction. I don't know. Maybe we won't be experiencing maybe the economy will start to get in a much better place i think that's and the, and and then therefore that will drive really different behaviors and attitudes towards why and how contact center technology is deployed that i don't think that that's completely crazy because there's some numbers that are showing a positive shift a bit earlier a couple of quarters earlier than we yes. thought so that's interesting yes it's definitely been i feel like this year for vendors i hear this from everywhere is that people are not saying no they're just saying not yet the investment yeah exactly silicon valley is sort of it's not really it's not closed its doors and it's definitely not closed its doors on ai in fact it's wide open to investing in ai but people are struggling on their funding rounds more, more so at the moment and hopefully that will change although m a has to happen within the tech space because there are far too many vendors Poor buyers, it's so hard. Consolidation, yeah. I think that's definitely one that's going to continue to happen or happen at a greater pace. And then the last question, tell us something about Neris that was that would surprise the audience. Oh, what, do we, what do we need to know? Oh, this really... What do we not need to know that you're going to tell us? Okay, what do we need to know? Well, I've just done a keynote around musicals because I'm a massive fan of yes. musicals. And you've been to see... Six, six, five times. Five, you need so to see it six times. Obviously, then... I've got to go and see it again somewhere uh, yeah. um, another time. So, yeah, I love musicals. And I love crap reality TV. Like, it's my absolute guilty pleasure. I love it. I don't want to date this podcast in terms of the recording because we don't know when it's going to go out, but are you watching I'm a Celebrity? Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, quite interesting. Fascinating. Fast anything where it's human interaction, whether it's scripted on TOWIE or whether it's real, I just... Love it. I'll watch Married at First Sight is like crack. I just love it. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, we could do something here. I can't believe that one I'm a celebrity. That's mental, isn't it, that they won it? I know. Who knew? <laughs> Neris, thanks so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. 
Really Enjoy good the rest fun. of the show. Thanks Thank you. for being here. Thanks, everybody, Thanks. for tuning in to another Iris Pod as part of this CX 2024 Trends. We've got more for you. Stay tuned.